I'm Gentleman Josh Hill. I'm Aaron Jeffrey. I'm Jasmine Jasmus. I'm Mike Malak. I'm Rafael Stop. Tune into Don't Tap. Don't Tap. Don't Tap. Don't Tap Podcast. Don't Tap Podcast. John Jones. Follow me on Twitter. Hey, I'm UFC President Dana White, and you're in the ring with Callum McGregor. To me, the Lions are the number one rankings out there. Those guys are the ones who really do their I got a really high fight IQ. For this fight, I'm telling you, it's a flip of a coin. I levels to the shit. So many high level guys. So like the line is crazy. Oh, oh, there we go. Oh, no, we're good. See, he's a pro. Okay, uh, don't tap. We are back again after one hell of a pay-per-view, UFC 291. Um, you know. Some of the spots that I put out there continue to move, and I'm pretty happy with the consistency of that. Uh, Billy, what, what a hell of a fucking bounce back, man. Um, for you, everything seemed to cash last week, cashing those tickets like fucking flapjacks or whatever the hell mm-hmm. Uncle Weezy says. But, man, you were uh, you were on point. Talk about the weekend and the bounce back. And obviously the thrill of the, the bounce back is part of the reason why you uh, you love this DJ and shit so much. Talk about yeah, that. man, it was a great way to close out the month. Needed a big way to close out July. Um, had a little bit of underwhelming prior week to that, but that's the game that we play sometimes. Uh, the highs are highs and the lows are lows, but that's why we continue to do the same work every week. And uh, we got to get hot because we got a long, long August month, big events coming up, uh, PFL playoffs coming back this week, um, a lot of events, and um, I'm ready to cash, man. And I took your uh, your advice. You know, it, it's it's okay to go chalky and and go for those those spots that you sort of see, and, and it's good to win consistently. But every once in a while, it's okay to take a little bit of a shot. So I did take some shots on, man. Dustin Poirier money line I thought was good, but that sub I thought was a potential for later in that fight, but that did not happen. Holy kick from nowhere! It was not as pretty as Leon Edwards. Everybody's looking at that. It sort of came up a little funny, but man, it landed um, through the hand and knocked out Dustin Poirier partially um ending that one so hopefully people were able to cash on that nick how was your night all in all yeah man honestly um i can't complain i did fairly well myself unfortunately some of the plays i put out weren't quite as good chiesta may have been one of the baddest or worst reads i've ever had in my life and you know funny story for this man i was so confident he's gonna win i didn't care i made a bet with mother buddy zach to do a shoey bet on it and i was like ah this is gonna be easy i went hiking in those shoes that day that was one of the most disgusting things I've ever done in my life. And I was rec- not Here's my one question. Did you record it? Yeah, because I, got it. I can send it to you. Because if you're going to do something like that, like you actually almost even have to record you hiking in said shoes <laughs> and then take that shot back because that, that's just where it's at. But come on, you try to get those likes and those fucking hits, homie. Come on, man. Let's, I'll let's send roll. you let's the roll. video. But um, other than that, man, honestly, I actually I don't want the video. I don't want to post it and exploit you. I think it's, it's nasty care, and it's your own fault. So. I did good though, man. Like I did the same parlay that everybody did. I had uh, Bonfim Kopilov. I had a lot of money on that. And then Bonfim Kopilov and Maverick, which I kind of felt sketchy doubling down on two guys in the same parlay. But it, honestly, both Kopilov and Bonfim cashed without ease. Same thing with Maverick. So that kind of made my night as it was. And then, um, you know, the line got so wide on Derek Lewis. I had to be like everybody else, man. I had to play that. So that hit. And then um, I had a decent bet on Justin Gaethje KO at plus 225. So. My night was fairly good. It made me back a lot of the money I lost because I did not do good at, on the London card. So it was a good. Did you learn something about Cal and women's MMA in this fight or or in this card? Or did we did we learn something? Because I mean, that's the silver lining I take from this out of all of it. Because I did decent. You know, a couple spots hit really nicely. Uh, I had to make the adjustment with Wonderboy um, nodding out of his fight, and we we brought in Kopolov 
um, rounds one and two is a play that we draw right beforehand, which that hits. I mean, I think a lot of people knew that was going to hit, but the precision of his striking is just there. He was just he was setting him up all day long. He set that that uh, lead that head kick up just absolutely beautifully from the bell. It was there. Um, but but let's go to my girl Miranda Maverick takedowns. Two takedowns already right out of the gate. Or actually, I don't even know she got the two takedowns in the first first round. But regardless. Um, man, she just went in there and submitted her, did what, what we knew she was going to do. Cash where is there to be taken down. It was easy money, in my opinion. Um, I just, everybody wants to fade somebody because they didn't have a good showing. But Jasmine Jezebicious is not there to be taken down. She'll whiz her out and take you down. I mean, she's bigger, stronger, and just better, right? She's not Cash Ware who just loves to, like, that's that's her next job. Like, on a resume, girl who likes to get taken down. That sounds really bad, and I might edit that out. Um but yeah, man, Maverick submission that hits, and I mean, for the most part, we're just rolling. Um, so let's roll into this week and uh, take a look at what we got. I'm going to let I think it's Billy's shot. We'll let Billy take his first play of the week. I sort of posted out some of my early takes, which have been hitting at a high, like a huge, ridiculous clip. Any of the leans out there, I'm missing on some of the lines, but they're all hitting. Like the last few weeks, I think it's been a sweep on every play that's been put out on the Sunday. Um, Billy, you take it out with the first lead here on a Monday. Yeah, uh, first fight that I'm looking at here is Jeremiah Wells versus Carlson Harris. Um, I love Jeremiah Wells here in this spot. Yeah, last time against Smellsberger, he didn't look that good. He was getting chinned up by uh, Matthew Smellsberger, who didn't look like he had three-round cardio in that uh, fight last week against Euros Medic. And that was kind of the case in the Jeremiah Wells fight. Uh, after he weathered the early storm, he was able to uh, win a UNAM decision. At the end of that, I think it was a U-name decision, if I'm not to be mistaken. But um, that's besides the fact I like him here in this spot. Visibly way more athletic than Carlson Harris. Carlson Harris has shown the ability to get finished early in fights. And that's kind of the way Jeremiah Wells has been winning these UFC fights. He's on a four-fight win streak. Uh, I think he continues to good times. Uh, I think he should be able to take him down early if he wants to. But I think it's ultimately going to be a uh, T. KO, TKO in the first round, and uh, right. Jeremiah Wells gets his hand raised at the end of this one. I actually have an early two-leg parlay with uh, him in there, and I'll be playing the money line straight. Honestly, uh, seeing some of the Twitter plays and stuff like that, that line might go down a little bit. Uh, see how that it's moved so, a little bit, man. Yeah, I'll see um, how the line bounces around. Um, it kind of went up at minus 150, went up to minus 175. Now we're starting to see it come down a little bit. So we'll see how that line goes out. Um, kind of got a good little spot last week with Kevin Holland. Uh, I like the Kevin Holland side. It was at minus 160, so I didn't even really look at it in the beginning of the week. Then I went down to minus 148, played it. Then I went down to minus 138 played it so i think that might be like the same exact line track that it's going to happen with jeremiah wells this week uh he's kind of like my holland bet this week well i agree on the play wholeheartedly because it is my number one play of the week and what i put out is my early lead uh play on sunday um i just carlson harris i don't know if he's going to get much more love i think we get Mike. we got a little bit of love i don't know just because he's suspect man and i and, and nick knows like anybody that has listened to me you know, break down at Carlson Harris fight. Like his striking is is sure it can be dangerous, but it's because it's sort of sloppy and coming from weird angles. And his hands are just he holds them in weird places. Um and he's there to be hit. He is absolutely there to be hit. And if you look at this matchup, um Wells has too many options. And and I think that's where some of my picks are going to be this week. It's where people have the more options. And I think Wells can knock him out on the feet. Sure it's lower volume. Sure Harris may land a little bit higher volume, but 
I mean, some of those sloppy shots, if he steps inside them, he lands just one big overhand. I mean, Wells sits down in his punches. He's your typical wrestler, low volume, um, big power. And if you look at it, um, it's only a two-inch reach uh, disadvantage he's giving up, and he's a little bit shorter, and I'm okay with that in this situation. It's going to allow him to get in on those hips a little bit easier. I think he's going to get the takedown uh, all day long. Although Harris has 75% takedown defense, he hasn't really faced anybody that's really gone to the well except for um, in his last fight to try to even take him down. Most people try to stand on the feet with him, and I just don't think that's going to be the case. Well is going to try to push him back with the power, get him up against the cage, and take him down as much as possible on a rinse and repeat. Um, if you look at Wells, what is his average right now? And I mean, yeah, so if you look at uh, Wells, he's landing on, on average about four takedowns a fight. Um, I just think that even if he gets two or three, it goes to the decision and he lands some big power. He's likely the winner. I think he does end inside the distance. So that actually is my last note. May look at Wells for KO if there's value. Because um, I think in the first two rounds, it's definitely 100% live, whether it's, he does clip him on the feet. Um, and or on the cage and or on the ground. Like I could just see multiple ways Wells wins this fight, whether it's a decision and or KO, which may be even the play there. Um, but yeah, man, I'm with you fully on this. Wells is a spot. I, I think I've sort of backed him at times and, and faded him at the wrong time. And I just learned my lesson on that. So Jeremiah Wells, my uh, lead play as well, too. Started at minus 170 now to minus 150. And there could be a little bit more movement, as Billy said. So if you want to wait, I don't think you're going to get worse on, on the on the value. So it is maybe good to sit on it and wait and see what happens. Nick, any thoughts? Yeah. Honestly, you guys broke this thing down perfectly. I don't really think there's much more I could add to it. But I agree on all the points you made. I'm not a big Carlson Harris guy. I agree with what Calum said. His striking is awkward. And Jeremiah Wells, if he doesn't like what's happening on the feet – I'm very confident that he can just double leg him and take him down. He's going to be the much stronger fighter in this matchup. And although Carlton Harris has a two inch reach advantage, I don't, as I said, I don't think that's going to play much of a factor because even if you look at that core McGee KO from Jeremiah Wells, he came from halfway across the cage to hit him with that left hook. So I don't think there's, I don't think that reach advantage is going to make too much of a difference. If he wants to hit him, he's going to get into range. Okay. Any afterthoughts there, Billy, to add to, or will we move on to the next spot? Nah, no, no real afterthoughts. Um, I like the line. I think the line should be somewhere. If I had a line, it, it'd probably be somewhere around minus 250. So I think the minus 175 value is uh, good enough for me. For what? For Wells? You can actually still get him at minus 150. Yeah, I'm. I'm just looking at FanDuel Sportsbook. It says minus one seventy five. So got you, got you. For FanDuel, yeah. minus one seventy five. Got it. Yes. Yeah, um, so, uh, yeah, that's all I have to really say. I mean, I think it should, he should be a minus two fifty in this spot. I, he has a lot of paths to victory. It's his fight to lose. There's a couple fights like that where the guy's the underdog or the guy's um, a little bit closely lined, and you think uh, maybe there, there's a little bit more edges for one fighter than the other. So, um, Nick, I'll let you take it away with your uh, spot. Yeah, well, first spot's going to be the same spot everybody else is going to have this week, man. Uh, Ignacio Bajamondez is my top fighter this week, man. I think that he can beat Ludovic Klein everywhere. As much as Ludovic Klein could come out and be, you know, he's got some dangerous striking. It's just if Ignacio isn't happy where this fight's going to be, man, I think he's got the grappling advantage. And he's one of these guys that I like to bet on because he's not going to chase the finish ever. You know, that KO against Roosevelt Roberts. He had beaten Roosevelt Roberts up and probably could have got the KO prior to that. And he never chases it. And from a gambler, that's a good situation to be in. Because the only way I see him losing this fight 
is if he lets Ludwig Klein turn this into a barn burner. And his fight IQ is just so high that I don't foresee that happening. I see him picking him apart at range, maybe getting a third-round TKO, but probably riding out to a uh, 30-27 decision. I want to lean Batamundes in this spot. Um, it's just something weird about this fight. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of public action on this one. It's going to be connected in a lot of people's parlays. And if you told me Ludivic Klein went out here and gave a good account of himself, I wouldn't be surprised. kind of reminds me a little bit of the Mason Jones fight a little bit, uh, where he kind of killed the hype of Mason Jones. Uh, we saw how he looked last week in Cage Warriors. He looked like he got right back on track. Uh, I think Ludivic Klein's being a little bit slept on. I think Butamundes is should be the rightful favorite. It's just um, – a little, I, I don't know if I want to play. It's just, I would, it's a, it would have to be a parlay piece, and I don't know if I want to be well, parlay. Well, with your instinct, Billy, it sounds like maybe you're leaning. Like, do you, could you, because I could see this going to a decision. I definitely could. I think I bottom see line him getting knocked out. But it, the thing is, I could see if Ludovic wins, I think it would be a greasy decision. I think it'd be a and greasy decision. You look at that spread, right? If, that, if that's the way you want to maybe touch this. Yeah, but this could be one of those spots like, Chiesa last week where we were talking about his spread or something like that. It was just like, if he does lose, though, he's yeah, probably lose inside the distance. I mean, Ludovic Klein's been knocked out before. It's not something that we've never not seen before. He's been submitted. So it's like, uh, actually, no, he's never been knocked out before. Let me uh, take So maybe Bahamandes, what, if we get Bahamandes KO decision, though, it's probably going to be close to what his money line is. So there's probably not as much value. So that, that is the question, right? You're sitting with a guy at about minus 200. I fucking hate that number ever since Billy referenced it to me. Around that number, it always scares me because it's the line that people could flip flop and lose. Um, but Bahamandes, I think he is the, the side here. I think we broke, um, broken him down enough that I, I just think he's a higher level. But um, I do see how, you know, Klein could potentially steal around if it did go to decision. But, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, where do you think you could find the value there, Nick, just a par- as a parlay piece? Yeah, I already have a parlay with um, Bahamondes and Sanhagen. And then I have a four-leg that I posted out on uh, Instagram as well that included both of them as well. As I said, like, maybe this is the spot to get burned, but whenever I went through this card, man, there's a lot of guys where I can see this fight going either way. And I have to disagree. Like, I think if Ludovic Klein wins, it's because he clips Bahamundes. I don't see him winning any of this fight at range unless he lands, like, for example, like a knockdown at the end of the round and that sways the round in his decision. But as this fight takes place at range, Bahamundes, I see just picking him apart. Even if it's just leg kicks and just dancing around him, or if he gets clipped and doesn't like what he sees, I still think he'd be able to just point fight his way to a decision. So... There's no props I'd play on this, though, because he Bahamundes wins by submission. He wins by KO. And a lot of times, he'll just ride things out. So It's the you know, wrestling man. of Ludivic Klein that gives me a red flag. Like Even in his losses, like the draw, he was getting fucked up by Jai Herbert. And he ended up taking him down two different times. Uh, he has pretty good takedown defense. Michael Trezano, he got taken down four different times in that fight, and he was like a big favorite. So it's just like we're, we're, it's more of like how good is Badamundes' takedown defense? You look at the people that he's really fought. I mean, he hasn't really fought a pure grappler yet. I mean, the best grappler he's probably fought was John Modeski, the corpse of him. Uh, I mean, this is going to be the best grappler that he's fought. I mean, Trey Ogden. I guess you can call him a grappler, but I don't think he's UFC viable. So this is the first time that he might get pushed up against the fence and ripped down to the ground and see if it's going to be like takedown practice and sparring where he gets back up like he usually does, 
or those muscles start getting a little bit tight and those arms start getting a little bit heavy in the third round. I don't know. I don't know. He is, he is pretty active in scrambles and active when he even is in the guard or on, you know, trying to scramble off the ground. So um, I think he's going to present enough activity and a problem that uh, even if I think Ludovic could get a couple takedowns, definitely. Um, and, or like take down bounce back up. He's going to have to try to scramble to try to get con- some control time. But I think Bohemondes just doesn't accept things as easily and a little bit of a submission threat himself as well, too. So, um, but yeah, obviously, Nick, you know that uh, on the early play that I put out on a Sunday, it is Sanhagen, and um, so I'm, I'm matching that that parlay as well too. And Bahamandas, um, and well, I don't even have it in front of me what the plus money was sitting at, but uh, yeah, I think that's uh, definitely a nice little parlay to have in there, and depending on where the line moves. I mean, I think the value is already there as far as the parlay. So, all right, I will come in with my um, next spot. Obviously, I know that uh, you. Jeremiah Wells was sort of the, the first one I was leading with, but I'm going to look at now Gavin Tucker. Um, and I know that there's a lot of questions and I know that I am the homer. Um, but I looked into this one first before, you know, um, I put the post up and wanted to double check and make sure. Um, coming off the sol- shoulder surgery, Gavin Tucker, who's someone I, I am going to try to get on the podcast pre-event, if not uh, in the future. Um, the wrestling's there, man, all day long. Like he, he rinsed and dumped and rinsed for Pete. We'll talk about that on my next pick. He rinsed and repeated Billy Quarantillo nonstop seven takedowns in that fight. And he's such a strong wrestler and he actually has some pretty slick striking as well, too. Does put himself in a fire and, and, and get hit a little bit more than, you know, I think anybody would like when you're, when you're landing. But at the same time, I just think that the, it's the time off that has sort of let, let him be in the plus money. And I mean, Lopez, what are we talking about in his first two fights? The guy landed 2.26 strikes and absorbed 5.24. Um, his takedown defense in those two fights is 36%. So, I mean, I think it was more in his last fight. Everybody, he was sort of the darling. Everybody wanted to cheer for him. There was love for him. There, everybody wants to cheer for this guy. But I just think that you're going to have a guy come in who's a UFC vet with some levels. I think Gavin Tucker comes in here and rinse and repeats the takedowns. Um, and or even shines on the feet a little bit. It could be greasy a little bit and have, it could be fun, but I mean, I'll sit there with the plus money ticket at plus 124 and hope the line keeps moving in that direction with people continuously fading and cappers saying he's been out for a certain amount of time. Looks, everything points towards the rehab being absolutely fine. If I can get him on the podcast, you know full well I will ask every hard question I possibly can to get any information out that I can pre fight. But I'm on Gavin Tucker, man. And the line, I, I liked it at plus 110, and I'll take it at plus 124. I think wrestling um, and on the feet, he's still slick as well, too. I just think that it's the only reason why this line is like this is because the time off, and that's it. Um, coming off of, yes, I know he was KO'd in his last fight, but that time off is valuable. I think having that time off, too, is good for the head. Um, so I don't think there's any issues with that, and he just got caught. So for me, give me Gavin Tucker, Canadian boy, Nova Scotian boy. As my fucking camera falls, let's fucking go. Gavin Tucker, Canadian boy, Nova Scotian boy, let's fucking go. I have to go the opposite way on you on this one. Uh, Diego Lopez is actually a second spot I was looking at here on this card. And uh, it's more of just uh, the age gap advantage here. We're talking about a guy coming off a tier very reminiscent of the Michael Chiesa spot. He was coming off a 20-month layoff last week. It's He has the biggest layoff in the whole entire card, two years off, and he's 37 years old right now. There's a nine-year age gap between him and Diego Lopez, and that number is absolutely staggering this year of how much the younger fighter has won the UFC this year. And if you look at Diego Lopez, man, he's beginning fucked up matchmaking by the UFC. They said, hey, you're the Lux championship guy. 
all right, come over here, fight Joe Anderson Brito on the contender series. It looked like he would never get a shot back ever again on Dana White's radar after that contender series performance that he put together. Uh, it looked like he was going to quit three different times. and He ended up uh, losing that fight against Joe Anderson Brito. And then that UFC debut, uh, he definitely gave a good account for himself. But um, Diego Lopez, though, um, great coach down there in uh, – I believe it's Brazil, uh, taught Alexa Grasso that submission that she put on Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, so he knows a lot of different submissions. He has a lot of submissions in his bag. Uh, shouts to Mozar Ivalov in that last fight. Uh, he got out of a lot of those different submissions. And let's say when those submissions do end up get locked in, I mean, he would probably be a minus 235, minus 250 here in this spot. But um, this line is going way up. Uh, the minus 140 right now, and deservedly so. Um, I don't think Gavin Tucker is the same guy that we see in the film that we're doing the preparation for. Uh, two years does a lot of things at the age of 37 years old. You have a wife, family, and kids. Uh, kids start getting a little bit older. Uh, you start being a more dad to, in your regular day life and stuff like that. You start looking at things past fighting. While we have a guy over here on the other side who's just getting his feet wet, uh, you know, Lux organization, they're signing a lot of those prospects. You're going to see a lot of them in the contender series last year and this year. And uh, this is one of the better prospects from the Lux organization. So I'm rolling with Diego Lopez here in this spot. And he has a, he has a huge size advantage. Uh, 72. I, I know you like narrative. I know you do. But that sounds like for me, and I, I got to ask you honestly, because if we look at like, I know age is, is a real thing. That's the most solid real thing we're talking about there in that situation. But if we look at, numbers he lands 2.26 and we can't just say about um like the person who we're standing in front of him because the level of competition if you actually want to say gavin tucker at his highest level i and i'm just trying to pick apart i want to cap the capper and see if i am wrong on this whoa all the numbers are pointing except for age in in like gavin tucker is drastically in in his favor yeah but you also have to account for the statistical data that we have for Gavin Tucker. We have damn near like a decade worth of statistical data for him versus a dude that fought Mozart Ivalov on six days short notice. Like we don't really have a lot of data. The contender series fight, we didn't really get to see a lot in that one. So this is actually like the right level of competition. And then Greasy Theory, Cap to Capper. Uh, we have three Brazilians on this card, just kind Raj, Diego Lopez, and Ronnie Barcelos. I don't think all three lose. One's got to win. And I think it's Diego Lopez because I don't think Uncle Ronnie's getting the job done against Kyler Phillips. Three takedowns, lands five strikes per minute, although he absorbs it. Lopez 2.26. I got to be on the other side of this. And I think we're definitely going to post a share of this, the back and forth between you and I, because I, I like this. I like I like finally being on the other side of one. I haven't really been on the other side of one in a little while with you guys. Um, but yeah, I just the numbers are staring me at in the face, staring at me in the face. And and I'm even if agree. I was I'll take with the I, I'm, I'm gonna jump into you, Nick. I'll take it if if he does come up to two years and he does look washed and and I was wrong. But I just don't think that's enough to, to bet against it. And I think still with the plus money with the pedigree and the level, the numbers just aren't pointing in the direction of his favor for Lopez. But Nick, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm with Billy, man. I lead Lopez. Like, the only way I see Gavin Tucker winning this fight is if he takes him down and just holds him in position. And even then, whenever he does that, I think Lopez's jiu-jitsu on his back is going to be more active in his favor. Like I, I, it's hard to bet on a guy that's coming off the couch after two years. And as much as stats make sense, those stats are hard to be relevant the older you get, which is, I think, what Billy's saying is, like, that, like, you know, 
he may be able to put up these numbers whenever he was 33, 32, which is generally where most of those stats are coming from because he hasn't been active that much over the last five, six years. So, and then Lopez, like, unless there's something. How does he win? Does he win with his submission or submission attempts from his back? Because if that, it, this is one thing I want to dissect too, because this is the hard one. I think a lot of people are going to be on either side of this one. So with this, and I ask you, Nick, he, if he, if on the feet, do you think he's going to help volume Tucker? Likely. But let's I just know, go through every I, avenue. But it's possible because as Billy said, he's a I much bigger guy too. I mean, this dude fought in Lux organization where he's fighting five round fights and winning against uh pretty decent people in the regional scene and he was winning new name decisions in 25 minute fights. I mean, I think the cardio is fine. He just fought two fucking beasts. Not cardio, Joe not cardio volume, volume, striking. I, 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 the volume striking. I, I just don't think Gavin, Gavin Tucker is not a person that I am not. You got some pretty slick boxing. He has some slick boxing, but he is not levels above Diego Lopez where I want to feed a 70% age gap difference where it's been cashing this year. Like last week, you got me Stevie Waterboy Thompson against Michelle Pereira. That was a good spot this week. Nah, I'm not fading that age gap difference right now. That's cashing at way too high of a rate. Yeah. That's I, think- it. I just, I think that it's not going to look that close. Like I think that Gavin Tucker may look good in the first round, but I think that Lopez is ultimately going to get a submission or write a two-year unanimous decision. Even I think the grappling is different. Like I think the advantage that Gavin Tucker has would be to be able to take him down. But Lopez is so good off his back that he'd probably be able to sweep him. And he has such a size advantage on him that if he ends up on top of Gavin Tucker, what's Gavin Tucker going to do? So I think there's a reason why like people are looking at this card and a lot of lines aren't moving. And there's a reason why the Lopez line is going up. Because I looked at it two days ago and it was minus 120. And I look at it now and it's minus 150 on my book. So there's people I, putting money on it. And we'll be on either side of it because the only thing that will tell is what actually happens in the cage. The time off is really the, the biggest thing for people. Um, age, time off. I mean, that's going to be the, the skepticism and I get it. Um, I'm just not that high on Lopez either. If I was higher on Lopez, then, then I get it. All everything you're saying, I'm just not that high on Lopez. I think he's sort of. Uh, I think Malzvar would absolutely like, murder Gavin Tucker. I know MMA math doesn't make sense, but Malzvar would yeah. absolutely murder Tucker. So, so would Joe Anderson Brito. Yeah. So he's got the two times that we've seen Diego Lopez fight in like in front of like real public eyes was against Joe Anderson, Brito, Mozart, Ivalov, and he got smoked by both of them. A lot of people are getting smoked by both of them. I, I feel like uh, the line's telling you everything you need to know here. All right, we'll, we'll move. Well, let's, let's move on because really it's – we're going to go back and forth and our points are our points until, like, the fight happens, right? I fully get everything you guys are saying, 100%. Um, in trying to sniff out an angle, I, I just see the, the recovery the, – the reason why people are fading him more is because of his time off. Um, the size is probably the most valid thing I've heard all night um, to even maybe sway my thoughts. But either way, we'll go back and forth. But I love that I, I'm on the either side of the two of you and you're both coming at me because that's when this podcast gets fucking interesting. So um, next pick, I think it is Billy's turn. Yeah, that was one of my spots. Uh, oh, yeah, mean, that's right. So then we'll go to go to Nick. Yeah, I'm going to ride with the dog, but one that I think I'm a little bit more favorable is going to win, man. I posted this last week, and honestly, the line got worse in my favor, but I like Dustin Jacoby a lot, man. The only thing that worries me in this fight is the reach advantage. I know people are thinking that Kennedy's going to come out here and shoot double legs, but Kennedy's one of these fighters where if he can't clip you and he can't get his striking going, 
he just kind of stands still. And his last couple of fights, you know, against Ian Kutalaba and Devin Clark, like people are riding a lot on that. But I just don't think they're that relevant. I think Dustin Jacoby's point fighting style comes back. I think he's able just to come out here, dance around. As I said the reach advantage isn't going to be there, but you look at Dustin Jacoby, man, he's good at just moving in and out landing his shots and going and he's complacent with circling that cage landing the leg kicks shooting that jab and getting out of harm's way and i really see this fight just going to a decision and dustin jacoby just doing work man um as i'm very high on him in the spot and hopefully this doesn't end up looking like the chiesa dog that i put out last week which blew up in my face and all of you know no it's a good no dude this, this is a good spot like I, I fully see jacoby at plus money being valuable but you know me, I backed you. Like we've we've gone to the well with Jacoby. Um, and well, his point fighting style and his his power is there as well, too. But man, he's been getting hit and it, he hasn't liked it in his last couple of fights. And it's been scaring me. Like we got burned enough. Like against Roundtree, I, I think he won that fight. I think everybody in the world and, and their mom and their dad and their family all think that Roundtree lost and Jacoby won that fight. I had a Roundtree ticket and I thought that he lost, but I yeah, was happy I mean, that I just think it's his Jacoby for me he just scares me. He just looks like, yeah, he starts to fade. You're right, 100%. He, he, like, he starts to take shots, and I don't like how he takes shots. And, and on the other side of this, and I looked at this line when you posted it. I mean, I've been sort of backing um, – oh, wow. It's Kennedy. Up one second. Yeah, no, I just had all this back in front of me. I've been sort of backing Kennedy uh, and Jiku um, pretty heavily lately, and the momentum's there on his side, although he, he may not – be able to land on Jacoby um, as much. He could still end up getting moments. And then in the grappling, if he makes it sketchy. I just, like, I get the plus money on Jacoby. I'm not even going to argue the plus money on Jacoby, but Jacoby is just a fight that it scares me on one side. And I've been backing Kennedy and I just, I can't go against two narratives there for myself. So, yeah, I think we've seen two fighters trending in two different directions. Justin Jacoby, we already seen his best performances. He's only trending down. I mean, Kennedy can only be trending upwards. He's on a three fight winning streak. He's been looking good. He's been at Fortis MMA, would say it. Sayud say, oh, I can't say the fucking name, but you know what I'm talking about. He's been at Fortis MMA. He's been looking a lot better his last three fights, and he's fought pure grapplers, and he's absolutely smoked all three of them. So, I, I don't know how Justin Jacoby wins this fight. I just don't think he – I just don't think it's going to be an out point type of thing. It's going to be one of those Khalil Roundtree fights where the judges are going to grade out the power shots of Kennedy coming the other way. When's the last time Justin Jacoby fought somebody that was the same exact size as him or somebody that he was smaller against? As at Merzikhanov, I mean, his last fight, he faded – pretty hard after the one and a half mark against Cleo Roundtree. I had him a bet there on him on that fight. He faded pretty hard in that one. So it's just like, as he's starting to fade off, I think that's more of an age thing, accruing damage across your fights. He's a little bit on the older side. This is his second stint in the UFC. This is not his first. So I feel like uh, you go with the younger fighter here in uh, Kennedy. But um, What's the line currently sitting at right now? I don't know. Uh, plus 135 is the last one. So it's moving in a direction that you're getting bigger dog money. And, and the way I could actually see this, if it does go to decision, Jacoby, I could definitely see winning around. I know I'm always pushing towards that spread. But, I mean, I think Kennedy obviously has a win condition of inside the distance. So that's sort of the counteraction to that that whole spread situation. But I, I don't know. I get the Jacoby side. I get when he looks good. Like it used to be death, taxes, Jacoby by decision. 100% that was the play all the way up into the roundtree fight. Um, but now I'm just sort of scared. Yes, faded. A lot of the negative things people have said about him, even in his wins, are now coming to shine and, and the, coming home to roost. So I do see value in the dog, but little scared off the line. 
Um, if it gets better, I may take a look at a, a spread play for sure, though. Because um, if it does go to decision, it could get could be greasy, and Jacoby definitely could piece him up for a round. But I just think that uh, Kennedy could end up closing the distance and stuffing up some of that striking and, and make it re- like I don't know. It, it's it, see, I'm going back and forth, and I don't know, um, man. Those those spread plays last week. If you're applying them, you're getting burnt in the third round. Bobby Green, Tony Ferguson. But I the mean, one, he won one of those, and then he got burnt. Uh, the Cachoeira fight, that one. There was a lot of third-round finishes last week that made me uh, sour. But, off. I mean, the Tony Ferguson one, I think that is a spread play, although we sort of even, t- like, dabbled in the conversation. But I think some people were on it, but that was just, I think, a bad bet. I just – I didn't – Yeah. At the end of it all, it didn't really seem to make sense. But um, that Pereira spread play was where it was at. That minus 116 issue when it dropped, and it moved a little bit. But, I mean, that was – Possibly one of the safer bets on the card, but I mean that Pereira play in general, just beautiful by you and great work last week. Um, yeah, um, okay. So what do we have? So we have all the plays out except for my dog of the week, because I know I came in with Tucker and he was he was a slight dog when I came in with that one. Yeah, I got one more play, but this is more of a uh, one. Gonna, I don't think we're you gonna. Have your, you, better, you have your three plays out already? No, this is the third. This is your third one? Okay, go. How about it? Yeah, third one main event: Corey Sanhagen, Rob Font. Um, got a side on the got a side on the Sanhagen side. Love Rob Font. Uh, gave us a good performance in this last one against Adrian Yanez. We're on Adrian Yanez pretty heavily. Uh, actually, we're on the over two and a half, and Rob Font went out there and smoked them. But uh, different styles, different fights. Uh, this is a great stylistic matchup for Corey Sanhagen, minus three ten and deservedly so. Usually, I don't like betting on short nose replacement fights, but uh, this seems like a levels type of fight and uh it seems like a fight to keep uh Corey Sanhagen active and uh if this fight was in the apex maybe this fight would have just got scratched all in general and they would have packaged up uh Sanhagen somewhere else but they already sold the tickets they already said we're coming to Nashville Umar pulled Umar things and uh they had to find a replacement good stylistic magic here for Sanhagen good parlay piece usually don't like betting all main events or having main events and parlays but uh I think it's deservedly so this week yeah, I mean, Corey Sanhagen, easily one of my favorite fighters that are out there today, if not the my favorite fighter. Um, I remember, and I always sort of reference this, but when he fought Song Yidong, like after the fight, he was like, did I do well? Right? Like he's in the middle of a win. He's so hard on himself. He's dissecting things. He takes a fight with Umar. And I talked to him a lot about this one. He just, he wants to be the best. He doesn't even want to hold the belt unless he's beaten every solid competitor that's around at the time. Um, this guy, I imagine probably obsesses about, you know, over tape or obsesses over certain strategy and technique. And I think that you're hundred percent right. Font's going to knock on the door. He's going to try to close that distance with the multi-level, uh, changes and combine it all up with, you know, he's going to have to hit at least multiple combinations, three to four strike combinations to close the play, oh, knock on the door and get in there on Sanhagen. But when he does open that door, no one's going to be there. Sanhagen's going to switch stances. He looked like Adesanya in that first fight against Pereira in that first half of that fight where Adesanya was just mixing things up so much. He was changing up his levels. He was changing up his stances, constantly just faints, fakes, and just overloading his system. And that's what Sandhagen did against Cheeto Vera as well, too. Everybody goes on about Cheeto Vera, and you listen to Bisbang talk about it because he's his boy. And, oh, it wasn't Cheeto's night. No, it, it, it was Cheeto's night. It's that he's lower volume, and he got outplayed by a fucking chess master and, and Corey Sandhagen. So I'm fully with you on this one. Um, it was one where the line started to creep away, but that's why I put that parlay out there. Sandhagen is easily one of the best um, mixed martial artists out there. And I'm not even hesitating there at trying to find the words exactly, but 
he, he is. He's hands down. He's constantly getting better. And the fact that he's the only one willing to take on Nurmagomedov and probably one of the only ones that has a chance of beating Nurmagomedov is just brilliant to me. So I'm with you on that. Um, I'm probably going to be looking at a – I don't know if he finishes him. I think this goes to a decision. I think this – or maybe an overplay. Um, but I think Corey Sanhagen made by decision um, is where I'm going to be looking at this. But I'm not too sure. He could also finish him as well too. So we'll see where the lines come out, where the value is and how things play. But I'm with you, Sanhagen. I know obviously, Nick, you've already put him in a parlay too, but have at it. Yeah, man. It's, I'm not a big Rob uh, Font believer anyways. I think we all lost money on the AG and Yanis fight. We all thought Yanis was going to come in there and clip him. And, you know, we all knew he had hands and uh, AG and Yanis chose to engage in a firefight. And that's what happens, man. You go blow to blow with somebody, somebody's got to drop. Um, Corey Sanhagen isn't that guy, though. And that's the reality of this fight is, you know, we've talked a lot on this fight about technical strike or on this fight card, sorry, about technical striking and, Corey Sandhagen at the top of the card is the epitome of it. The way this guy moves is just incredible. Um, I would have bet him against Umar, not confidently, but the line was so wide that I would have been, yeah, I would have trusted him with my money to do everything he had to do to win that fight. Ralph Fonts showed chin issues, showed cardio issues, and, you know, he's just, I think he's at the decline of his career, and I just don't see him as really a top 10 guy. And I see Corey Sandhagen just piecing him up. Um, I like the three, four, five or decision. The round props to me are depending on if their value. I'll put them on there just because I see the first round or two not being necessarily competitive, but Corey Sandhagen isn't a fast starter. He kind of builds, gets into his flow state, sees how things are playing out. So after the first or second round, I think the finish is live, but I agree. He probably rides it out to a decision. All right. It could be a Sandhagen 4-5 decision spot. Uh, I know they usually have that prop on Bavada. And yeah. Fimble. I think that's the way to attack it, get around that minus 310. is so nice. They throw in those extra two rounds with the decision instead of dividing them up into three spots, <laughs> one, two, and three, four, and five decision. They're so nice about that. Um, okay. Um, I'm going to come in with my dog, and, and everybody's going to fade me on it because I've interviewed him before. He's coming back on the podcast. Almost did today before we went live. And uh, Billy Quarantillo gets taken down. And when Billy Quarantillo is, is taken down, it's not good. And he can also shoot takedowns himself. But against this guy, it's not a good idea because if it goes to the ground, he's going to get reversed pretty simply, I think. Um, I think there's levels on the ground at least. Um, but let's go. Damon Jackson um, going to get disrespected because he got knocked out by Dan Ige. But, uh, I mean, Billy didn't fare so well in his last fight either. Uh, we got two guys that have been knocked out coming off knockouts. We have a guy who is higher volume. So why Billy is the favorite in this, this, this one really simply is on the feet. He lands 7.86 strikes and absorbs 5.79. Um, so his really his win condition is either he KOs him or it's a decision volume. And that's really how it's going to be. And sure, that is enough to bet on him. And if people want to ride it, have at it. Um, I just think there's multiple ways that that uh, Damon Jackson could win this fight. I think his striking has always been underrated. I think him going in against Danny Gay. And I'm going to try to have a conversation with him about it. Probably not the, the, the best approach to jump in with Dan Ige and, and, and go in against those bombs. But, I mean, we're not the fighters. We don't know what the strategy and the game plan was to, to finish that fight out. But if Jackson takes this to the ground and or if uh, Billy shoots at any point, like this is not Jackson as the dog. He's the plus money 100%. He's got the submission ability. Um, and if you look at, like I said, Gavin Tucker, who you guys just – let's look at this now. You guys just shat all over him. Um, Gavin Tucker took him down. Yes, a younger Gavin Tucker, so we could argue it a little bit. A younger Gavin Tucker took down Quarantillo seven times. 
So for me, this could go to decision. If it goes to decision, we have a potentially a couple of damaging strikes landed in moments by um, by Damon Jackson because he does have the power there. He does have a sneaky round kick that he does present out there that people don't really talk about. Um, and if he gets this up against the cage and or just uses his striking to close the distance, that it's it's game over. And you got to be you you, you got to know that is what I'm going to ask him straight up. Like coming off of a loss. The pressure's got to be there mounting for yourself to go to what you know best. Is wrestling going to be a, a strong part of the approach? Because if he stands on the feet, we know the volume's there. Quarantillo could volume him up and get him out late and or win a decision if, if he does play that game for long. But if he goes to the wrestling, I mean, I just I see it there all day long. Um, he lands 2.35 takedowns per fight. Tucker took down, like I said, um, Billy seven times. Hernandez and took him down two times. Um, that was when he actually faced somebody who's actually going to shoot to take him down. Otherwise, he's fighting guys that want to stand with him. So I just think that this is a lot greasier than people think. And I think a lot of people will have recency bias, you know, fading Jackson because he got knocked out against Dan Ige. So I don't know. Give me the plus money. And I hope that everybody continues to fade him. I hope you guys fade him and put out your spots and everybody pushes that line the other way so I can get Damon Jackson doubled down at bigger plus money. Um, Damon Jackson plus 150. I just think he's aside in this one. I think this is just a better fight to bet live, though, because, like, there's two things you said there, right? You mentioned the takedowns a lot. If this fight stays standing, he's going to lose. That's the reality of this fight. Like, he's not going to win a striking battle against Billy, Quill, uh, Billy Quarantino. So, <laughs> like, for me, like, if I'm watching this fight and I see Damon Jackson land a takedown and then Billy be complacent on the ground, I'm still going to get that plus money. Because, as you said, the line's trending in the other direction. So I think this one can be tackled a different approach. I like the pre-flop bet. I just don't have the confidence because I see this as, like, you know, your old UFC fight where it's striker versus grappler. As much as Billy will grapple, he's obviously not going to in this fight because that would literally be giving his opponent his only path to victory, in my opinion. So if Billy starts piecing him up, man, like, that's it. And in retrospect, you know, I said if – you need to hedge your bet or whatever, or you just don't want to bet at all. If Damon Jackson starts landing takedowns, just get the plus money. That's the one way other I would wrinkle, approach it. One other wrinkle. Coach saves sued in the corner. I can't see him allowing Damon Jackson to stand at range with him. You're going to hear him yelling at him to get this down to the ground. Um, so I, I just can't see it. Uh, him him you know, imploring that game plan where he's just going to try to stand. But at the same time, but I fully get it. I mean, Billy Corinthians against anybody, he's so high volume on the feet. It, it's it's not a game you want to play. Yeah, and it just goes back to, like, what you said, though. Like, like his his uh, coach there won't let him not grapple, but he also needs to land the takedowns. Every fight starts standing. So he doesn't have a choice but to stand there in front of Billy Quarantino and Billy Quarantino's blank range just punch him because that's where that fight's going to start. And if he shoots those takedowns and he doesn't land, it's not going to end well for him in this fight. So, and do you remember just, prior? Do you remember prior to Danny Gay? Because um, I honestly, man, it's it's crazy. I go back and actually listen to podcasts of cappers who cap things one way, and then I listen to like them. And I've even done it myself. I've been victim of this, where you cap somebody completely opposite their next fight, and it's like you shit on them one fight, and then like you're loving them the next fight. It's like before Dan Ige, everybody was on Damon Jackson as the guy who fights for your dollar, that guy who fights on the ground, the dog, the war, the blood. So, I mean, I get it. Um, I'm just biased, though, because I don't like Dan Ige. The amount of no, money I've lost like, fading Dan Ige. You, you also tailed me a little bit on that and, and lost on the Damon Jackson last time around. So, that, But that without further ado, Billy, take it away. I know. I get it, baby. I, I, I get it. I get it. Uh, <laughs> this fight, though, specifically, <laughs> though, um, 
it just seems like a fight of the night, and I don't want to bet this fight. When it comes to the line on this fight, I, I it just doesn't seem like I want to hop in from the Damon Jackson train, nor do I really want to fade Billy Q. So I don't know, man. I think I'm you said one thing. Is it performance of the night or is it a fight of the night? Because if it's a fight, it's of, the a fight night, of the night, it likely went to the decision. Part. If it went to the decision, plus money with a guy who's a better grappler, better wrestler, and not a better striker, but a guy who a dog who was continuously fought for your money. You're you're selling. Thank you. You're, you Thank are you. selling. Well, you just sold me. You just sold me. You like your initial instinct. I watch you guys when you talk. I watch these podcasts, and I like to watch the visual of the. I just I do. That was your instinct. Your instinct was fight of the night, and I actually agree. I think this could be a, a bloody fight of the night affair, and I'll sit with that plus money, plus one fifty. Keep the money coming in on that volume of Billy Quarantillo. I'll take the plus money and enjoy a fight of the night. Sit on a plus ticket, laughing. Yeah, I don't blame you, man. I don't blame you. This is. Uh... This is one I had to stay off from. Uh, we got PFL on Friday night. I don't. Yes, I was going to ask you actually. I don't know if you guys do want to jump on again or if you want to talk about it right now because I haven't really dug it too much. I think I have two spots already, so we could. But uh, PFL coming. Actually, you know what? May as well just talk about it a little bit. That was my last spot there, Damon Jackson. We'll recap it quick. Um, but PFL, what, what are some of your spots that you have? I know you can't put everything out because you do got – and I'll be honest with you. We don't push packages like crazy. We don't do any of that stuff on this end. Billy, Billy has his packages – and I don't know what the laws are fully in Canada, so i got to be careful with how I, I talk about what to do and this and that. But just follow Billy on Instagram is all I'm saying. Look at yeah, his story. Um, PFL, looking, looking at a little parlay action here. Well, it's the first round of the playoffs, I should say that. It's in San Antonio. Uh, half of the light heavyweight division got suspended for PEDs. So uh, it kind of feels like Josh Severi is kind of rolling off to uh, – off into the sunset like him as a parlay guy. inside the distance and parlaying him up with Thad Gene. Thad Gene, one of the uh, Florida prospects down there, um, getting some great work in. Seems like a good favorable spot for him. He's fighting a dude that uh, was plus 205 underdog that won by split decision in his last fight. So uh, looking at those two spots and then women's MMA special here, uh, I'm looking at Cobra Kai Bennett over Chelsea Hacklett. Uh, you're going to see a lot of Hackett love on Twitter this week, but uh, we're going with Cobra Kai. Nick, any thoughts on the PFL? I have not looked too much into it yet, so I don't want to give it no Chris Wade's an underdog. Chris Wade's yeah, Chris Wade's an underdog. Yeah, I'm looking at it is always nice. He is a guy that is a dog double fight for your money for sure, usually in high-volume affairs, scrambles. I mean, Jenkins came back and got his revenge, but Wade uh, definitely a spot. I think I, I like Chris Silvera. Wade I mean, look fucking amazing in that last fight. They said you need a first round finish, and man, did he go for it? I'm gonna go crazy, and I'm gonna say that the new Kill Cliff MMA um, man that looks just a lot bigger nowadays um, in the PFL, but a man who, who a strong Christian loves his country. And everybody loves him down there in Florida. Uh, we got Impa Kasangane. And I, I'm going to go with Impa by KO. I think he knocks out Martin Hamlin. I think he's going to get the opportunity to. I think he he's found this new stride in the PFL. And I think uh, it's a spot. So I like I actually like two finishes. I do like Silvera. I'm dabbling with Silvera inside the distance because it's trending that he should sub. But I don't know. Has the opponent ever been subbed? I don't know if Flores has ever been subbed. But I think he's still right. The is, level of the tie He's gotten smoked. When he loses, he gets smoked in the first round. 75% of his losses are first round knockouts. So maybe Silvera inside. Well, Silvera sub, man. The man just takes your back. That's what it is. I, I was joking with him on Instagram about it. I'm like, I, I made that my play last play. And he's like, he's just laughing. He's like, nice pick. I'm like, well, it's like 
someone it's like like going for Jacoby before by decision it's death taxes and submissions so um but yeah i like impo by ko what's the line currently sitting at for some of these fights they're probably pretty wide uh impo is minus 245 right now just uh there's no uh props obviously we're only monday but minus 245 uh for impo chris wade sitting at plus 110 um bubba jenkins minus 365 and silvera that you're also referencing is minus 455 yeah, I mean, I mean, just PFL, because it, it's, it's, it's a PFL consistent line. thing. Maybe look at the Silvera sub, but I like that Impa KO and uh, smart play on the the Wade as a dog. Wade's always a, that that is the definition of a man who fights for your dollar. Um, Chris Wade, well, fights for himself. By the way, contrary to everybody's belief, because I know that Miranda Maverick was talking about how people were shitting on her after beating up by getting beaten up by Jasmine at, at you know a big favorite. I need to let you you gamblers know, fighters don't give a shit about your losing tickets. They, they don't care. They just lost. Their whole teammate, their whole team was let down. Their family's let down. They're not making as much money as they're supposed to make, usually in most cases. They don't give a fuck about your losing tickets. Now, if you share a winning ticket, I'm sure they may feel a little bit of extra boost because you shared a winning ticket and, you know, the good vibes and everything. But they don't give a fuck. So just stop doing it. Stop sending the DMs to fighters, If you, especially if you don't train or have never trained or ever been in a fight before. Just stop. Stop. Stop capping if you're doing that shit too. Get away from MMA gambling because it's the wrong sport to do that in. Because one day you're gonna get punched in the face by a fighter. So, anyways, just thought I'd share that. It pissed me off. She was getting harassed huge, huge, because um, she was a chalky favorite. And it's like no one cares about your tickets. Like, anyway, just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> My rant for the day. Any other spots? Any other thoughts? Yeah. No, I mean, if we go back to UFC, man, I think a Sue. I think the line's taking off like crazy. Uh, the only reason why I didn't put it out as one of my plays of the week is just because I don't really like betting UFC debutants, especially at chalk. I like taking the plus money on them whenever I see value, but um, I think Asu takes Ode Osborne down early and often, and Ode's cardio issues shine through again, and Asu is able to get him out of there. It's one of my more confident spots on the card. But as I said, man, UFC debutants burn me time and time again. So I'll be looking at one other spot, and I almost made it the dog, but I just. I don't believe fully in Jake Hadley. I know the skill level, not there's there's a high level to him. Like he, he does have a high level. But Cody Durden's a dog too, and he's a guy who fights. He's got strong wrestling power in his hands, and he's a kind of guy who'll fight for your money. So I'm gonna look at that spread and see what the value is in the spread and him stealing around. Because I don't think he gets finished in this spot. So I think it could go to the I think if Hadley wins, he finishes, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. you think so? Yeah. I, I think Hadley could finish him and I, I don't know. I think there's two I don't know. I think you make that fight I think look could, really easy. I think really greasy. Yeah, uh, we'll again, see what the value is on it. There's enough value on it. I'm saying it's a spread play. I think it could go to the decision. I just uh, I'm not a huge fan of. of I don't understand why people want to. Like, if you have the ability to live bet, I don't know why people would bet that fight pre. Not always a guarantee. It, it's not, but like that if Durden line is starts, always not a guarantee. I know, man. Even no, when, with, with that win. rare live like, bet, it was like it was sweat. If you take. But if you take dirt in pre-flop and then he can't land a takedown and Hadley just starts beating the shit out of him, your ticket's dead anyways. If you wait and you lose 20 points on the dollar, but you see that Durden's able to land takedowns, fuck it, take the plus 100. That first takedown, it's going to go to minus 500. No, I think some not. people, that's the problem, right? You wait for a live bet because you you maybe heard to, to wait for the live bet and or um, that's just what you were looking at. You just got to jump in that book, momentum, it, The books open it and close it so fast. You don't get it. You miss it. You miss the opportunity. The line is always open. DraftKings is my favorite book to live bet on. Like the lines all bet 365, a They're couple of good. them, man. 
Yeah, Bet365, the second that any sort of action happens, they close the lines. Like, they are the worst for trapping you in your spots. Yo, DraftKings leaves it open, like, 90% of the fight. Unless somebody gets, like, dropped really bad and, like, they're about to get finished, like, they're not going to let you jump in while some way the ref's about no. to jump in. But DraftKings is great for live betting, man. Is there any other spots you guys can think of on the card? Or are we, we all a wrap? Um, looking at Alexa K more over uh, Tanner Brozer. I think Tanner Brozer is a fraud. <laughs> I was looking back and forth on that line, and I think that line might be a little wide, but I think Tamer's equally. I got to I got to find something in that fight. Uh, Calum is just like a, under some type of spread bet. There's I was some trying to search the fight for the Canadian on that one, but it's just the line's too wide. Yeah, the, Tanner Moser's a minus two hundred favorite, and people are going to be parlaying that. That just seems like an easy. It just seems like the dilemma Derek Lewis spot, where it's just like one fight that you might overlook, but at the end of the week you're going to look back like fuck. Man, Alexa Camor did just come off a two-year layoff. He is training with Stipe Miocic, who's getting ready for the biggest fight of his life. He is a really good boxer. Tanner Bozer gets fucking hit. He's slow as shit. So it's just like, man, like a lot Tanner of things Bozer are lining up. Shit, yeah, like a light heavyweight. Like it would be different if he came in and like looked great, but he looked like shit at light he heavyweight. So slow. So it was a bad call, man. Also, another example of another Canadian you may run into in a room when you're with me, Nick. If I get media credentials, I'm going to make sure I introduce you to everybody you ever shout on that potentially listen to the podcast. No, that's 100%. fine. I'm, I'm going like, to win you. next time, motherfucker. Stop I'm making just me lose tickets. <laughs> Once again, fighters don't give jail. a fuck about your fighters, <laughs> and that's how we'll end it. Fighters don't give a fuck about your ticket. And I don't give a shit about shitting on them on the the internet because this is a gambling fucking podcast. And I like people who win me money. And if you lose me money. I'm I'm actually (laughs) waiting. I'm waiting on that for a fighter to actually sort of bring that up. They're like, so why do you think you have the right to break down fights? And I'm going to have to go into the idea of critiques since the dawn of time and break down the history of critiquing things and sports. And and it's going to be an interesting conversation, but it's going to happen. Eventually, a fighter is going to call me out and I'm going to be like, all right, so let's dig into this. Um, cause some cappers, I mean, they actually train fighting. Some don't, some are sharp gamblers. You're, you sort of have to have your level of whatever it is, prestige or, or whatever professionalism, but well, anyways, at least we're not that bad, man. Like before we go, like there's a, we're not we cappers want... either. We're wannabes. Yeah. He's the capper. <laughs> yeah. But if, <laughs> for like the, yeah, we want picks the guys, they tag the them in every single post. But like, I don't know if you guys follow them, man. But I like them a lot. I think they're good dudes. They're funny. The we want picks guys. But um, that one guy there, he tagged Joseph Holmes, and Joseph Holmes got so fucking mad. He sent him like a DM saying he was gonna kill him. And then Joseph Holmes lost his last fight. So now he wears like a hat saying like Joseph Holmes is gonna kill me or something. Like just completely rides off it. It's pretty entertaining. Yeah, yeah they, you got to have a little bit of enter- entertainment in it too. They but Joseph post the breakdowns and tag the fighters in them, and they shit on them a lot. So I, I can imagine they're not the most liked people. They have fighters. no plan on ever stepping foot in a fight room. They have no plan on ever being <laughs> in the same room as any fighters. Me, on the other hand, I have to trade lightly. Like I look back yeah. at actually, uh, what was it? The gla- Oh, I talked about, um, it was Kyle Nelson against uh, your boy you bet the other day. It's a year ago in England they fought. Um, Giant. Yeah, John Herbert. I called him a, a, a 
a glass canoe shooting a rocket launcher from a glass canoe. And I, I looked at the breakdown. It was pretty ridiculous. I, I got pretty disrespectful. So um, this week, <laughs> this, should, year, though, this year, man, we're putting our hard-earned money on these spots. We're doing the research, and we can only do but we can do in the film room. So when they show up and they don't look like themselves in the film room, we feel like we're doped, like the Tony Ferguson spot. I got five yeah. more fights left in me. Or is it five more rounds? Because this shit don't look good for you. That wasn't even five more rounds. I don't know what that was, man. That no, man got three rounds of Bobby Green. He gets knocked out in the second round of his next fight. That looked like a, a fight in the middle of a street on the corner in Hamilton somewhere where one guy's been on way too many drugs and you just won't stay down. And he just keeps getting hit in the face and hit in the face. That was a bad one. Um, no, he did it for the boys, though. He cashed over two and a half. He waited to the end. Yeah. yeah. That's so bad, man. <laughs> I, should, I feel like we should have learned for the Nate Diaz fight when Tony just For Nick, Eagli, for Billy Briz of Pub Sports Radio. I am Callum McGregor, the Don't Tap Podcast, and tune in to the Don't Tap Podcast.